And if you don't get that, there's something wrong with you. Wow, what a morning. Hmm. Rick, I'm glad to see you. Do you all know Rick Wheeler? You, he, you were stuck with him for a while, right? I know. Rick, I'm glad to see you. Know where I'm following your wife every day. And so, no, that's not stalking. <laughs> no, he knows and I know what I'm talking about on Facebook. All right, have you been f- tracing that journey? Some of you are saying, oh, I just don't think I want to be on Facebook. Get over that. You'd be surprised what God's doing on Facebook. So I've been watching them, praying for, for the team. You do know that in Rick and Camille, you've got two of the finest people I know. You really do. And man, I miss you. I miss you a lot. Well, this morning, if you'll turn with me, our scripture is going to be found in 1 Corinthians, interestingly enough, about that wondrous cross. Uh, A little different take, I think, you're going to find, but nevertheless, we're going to be dealing with the centrality, the very heart of God relative to the cross. And while you're you're finding that, just just as a, a, a reminder... What is the purpose of the Messiah of God coming? What is the purpose of the cross? What is the purpose of our gathering on San Jose Road, Boulevard, whatever this is, that tore up highway? I've been here since uh, almost, uh, we spent almost 30 years in Florida. And you, do you know that San Jose has never been fixed? We get it fixed and we tear it up again. I went, well, Mark is saying, well, I think it's going to be okay. I said, not in your lifetime. <laughs> People just keep coming. Uh, have you ever considered what is the purpose of God for Mandarin Baptist Church? Now, you know what we are good at it as Baptists? We're, we're good at deciding what's good for the Methodists and the Catholics and the Lutherans and uh, the Independents and all of that. And, and we can be very, very judgmental. But what is the purpose of God for, for this congregation? You say, do you think you know? Oh, yeah, I really do. Not only do I think I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. And it's not about me. It's about a, a biblical revelation and the death of his only boy on a cross that gives us life, then the question is, uh, how can we become so caught up in what I call consumerism? Uh, We are in it not to win it. We are in it to soak it up and to say, uh, you know, this is all about us and my and mine. You know what I'm praying for the body of Christ in Indiana? I'm praying that the body of Christ in Indiana will be gripped by a biblical generosity that says whatever it takes to reach the world with the gospel, that's what we're going to do. Uh, We're in a big deal about tithing. Well, I'm just against tithing. Well, every tithe, what I know is against tithing. 
May I remind you that I, I, I am not a tither and stop there. If that's all you're doing, the law requires that. I want you to be gripped by a biblical generosity that says whatever the vision of God is, that's what we're going to do to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, why are you investing in Haiti? Now, I know that the folks who are leading that ministry are going, oh, I don't want to do that. Well, I do want to ask you that. Well, here's what, if you're going to stay there, and I know you will, then the question is not how little, but whatever. Not how little will it take, but whatever it will take, Lord, that's what we're, we're going to do. And may I just remind you, Peggy and I have been all over the world. We have, we've literally been all over the world, all over Africa, all over Haiti, all over the Caribbean, all over Western Europe, all over Japan. We have been engaged in gospel sharing for a long, long time. Why? Not because I've been called to be an international missionary, but because I have a story to tell to the nations. And it's about the redeeming love of God. Now, Camille and a, and a team from here is in Haiti right now. Is that right? And you're sending a team, right? Do you understand that I have a team that is the, 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 the group that I work with? We have a team on the Amazon River today, and they've been for a week exploring unreached people groups. That means we have a team of five who have been... <clears throat> who've been in village after village after village on the river that have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. And that's your responsibility, Mandarin, to take the gospel there. Well, I don't know that I like that. Well, here's what I want you to do. Take that up with Jesus if you make it. Is that clear? Because, you see, that's what we're dealing with in this text. Oops. Here we go to the Bible again, right? Well, here we go. Look at verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And here's what Paul says to the church at Corinth. Now, I exhort you, brethren, uh, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree. That is, that you all say the same thing. And there be no division, no schisms among you, but you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now, I mean this, that each one of you is saying, I am of Paul and I am of Apollos and I am of Cephas and I am of Christ. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not the, uh, was not crucified for you, was he? Or, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius. That no one should say, you were baptized in my name. Oh, he says, by the way, I love Paul. He's probably my age. He just had a senior moment. Now listen to what he says. You, you've got to be... But he said, now, oh yes, but, but I, now I did baptize also the household, household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized any other. 
Uh, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters in Christ, note the turn in his ministry and in his teaching. And here's what he said. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel not in cleverness of speech, that the cross of Christ should not be made void. For the word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God... The world through its wisdom did not come to know God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Um, Jews to Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are the call, both Jew and Greek, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than man. I find it incredibly interesting interesting that no matter where you stop off in the story, that involves people like us, there are usually some rugged moments where the church, the body of Christ, the people of God, have to be called back into accountability and into account because of the sacrifice that Jesus made on behalf of world redemption. Can I just remind you, 2 Peter 3.9 says, It is the purpose and plan of God that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And may I remind you, though the Father knows, as our pastor has said this morning, he knew... By the way, was that an interesting baptism or what? I Did you all do a handoff on him quick? Uh, that was the great... I've never seen anything like that before. Poor Alex got dunked before he knew he got shot. I love that. He'll never forget that. I, 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 really, if, if, I wish I'd had opportunity to baptize Mark that, like that. <laughs> Woo. Well, I did baptize you, didn't I? Um, I find it absolutely incredibly interesting that the story that has affected dad and son's life that you witnessed in this baptistry this morning is in fact your mandate, your mission, and your responsibility. Go ye therefore into all nations and make disciples assumes you understand you can't disciple that which is dead. I'm going to get to that in a few moments. It's challenging. You're not just in a little bit of inconvenience if you have no relationship with Christ this morning. You're not just... It's like, it's like a lady coming in to her uh, doctor and says, you know what, doctor, I, I really think I'm just a little bit pregnant. Now, you either are or you ain't. You, there's no little bit about... Here, you, you got to hear... Somebody said, I don't believe... My wife's going to kill me for that, and I know that, but it's okay. 
we've been married 50-some years. And she's like, um, may, may I just remind you, you can't be a little bit saved. You can't be a little bit transformed. You can't have just a little bit of inoculation against the bad life and enjoy some of the good life. It is a misunderstanding of who you are and who you were before you came to faith in Jesus Christ. And Ephesians 2, and we'll go back to it in a few moments, Ephesians 2 is clear and painful, and it says of you and me, you were once dead in your trespasses and sins. There had to be a cross. Only Christ has the power to move into death and command His influence and power over it so that it releases you back to life. Only Christ. So Paul comes to Corinth and uh, he says to them, You know what I'd really like? I'd really like for you to come together as a unified body. I want you to learn to say the same thing. Not uniformity. Not cookie cutter. Not any of that cloning. He says to us, uh, to the church at Corinth and through the word, he says to us, I want you to be able to say the same thing about Jesus Christ, his birth, his ministry, his crucifixion, his burial, his ascension, and his teachings, and his soon coming again. I want you to say the same thing. Now hear me. And I want you to behave like you mean what you say you mean. I want you to be able to say the same thing. And then he goes on to say, and and I, I hear maybe that there are divisions, schisms among you, but I want you to know I don't want that kind of thing to take place. Can I just have you look? If you'll take 1 Corinthians 1, and if you'll go back and look at verse 7, you will discover a tracing of the divisions at Corinth. First of all, in verse 7, that you are not lacking in any gift. They are divided over the Holy Spirit of God's gifting in the lives of believers at the church in Corinth. Well, you get a full picture of that in chapters 12, 13, and 14. They're divided over the very public gifts, uh, the gifts that are manifest and, and give us high visibility. Not much interested, you'll see, in, in those servant gifts. Nobody wants to do duty in the nursery. Oops. Gifts. Here's how we do that in the church I've been in for forever. We wait till the gifted one gets up to do anything on the big platform in the big room, and we have a grand old time at lunch. (laughs) Can you believe that dress she had on? I don't know where she got that. Do you know, Hazel? 
I'm telling you, that's not the best-looking thing I've ever seen. In my, the issue, you hear me? Hear, hear, oh, 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 I've, I've got my finger on the nerve. Oh, the issue's not the dress. The issue's the gift. A deacon whose life was the pits. He lived, grew up and lived for a number of years a rugged life. He was into unspeakable things. Peggy and I sat in a service in a church in Indiana last Sunday morning. And we watched a 60-year-old man give this testimony. At the close of the service, that Pastor Jim Bohr was giving the invitation, and out of a pew came a guy that's probably 60 or more, and he said to, his, to the pastor and to this, us, I've been wrestling with, his, this, with this for eight solid years. I want to join the story of Jesus this morning. I need him in my life, and I know I have nowhere, nowhere else to go. So he's come all of that way. He's come all of that way. And suddenly there is that transforming moment where Christ comes into his life. And by the way, when Jesus comes into a man's life like that, may I tell you, it may take him a little while to clean up his vocabulary. But every one of us with our halo on way too tight... Heard him down at 7 Leb and said something wasn't right. He's on the pulpit the next Sunday morning with the pastor's arm around him and he's praying over a group of folks going to Haiti. Don't you want to be at the table at lunch in Mandarin that Sunday? I heard him, Hazel, with my own ears. He said a really bad word. Now I can't tell this. But you go look up what best Truman taught Harry in terms of verbiage. And may I remind you that, that God may have stripped out of this man all of that ugly vocabulary, but he's having a little... Can you understand... When our boys came along, they didn't come along six two hundred and ninety pounds. They were aggravating. Up and down all night long. Crying and whining after mama. Are you with me? Never dawned on me that I ought to take Mark or Donnie home and say, okay, big boys, uh, the diaper's down the hall, your form is in the fridge, your trike is out on the carport, just knock yourself out. <laughs> now, hold on a minute. Hold on. Why can't you cut Bubba Lee, some slack. And by the way, don't get him in a crowd and talk about somebody using bad language. That's a coward. Come close to it. 
and in privacy help him. We had an 86-year-old man in Packlet Mills, the metropolitan urban area of Packlet Mills, South Carolina. Seven geese, two dogs, nine cats, and four people. We had a three- or four-year-old little girl with a family of ours who climbed up on the lap of this old train driver, choo-choo train driver, who was rusty and crusty and profane and put her arms around him and said to him, I love you. I was not surprised when the couple called me over right after dinner, their dinner one night, and held, and the, the husband and I led Herb Ginoble to a saving relationship with Christ. And God mostly fixed his cusser. Mostly. There was a service station up the street that would wait till I got out of the car, and they knew, do you know you all have buttons? I'm going for somewhere with this. I'm going somewhere with this. Do you know all of us have buttons? They knew which button to push. Push. And cuss. Woo! I mean, I spent some time in military, Brother Dan. I mean, I, I'd heard some proof. Do, 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 you, do, do you understand that he could turn the air blue? And when you got to lunch the next Monday or Sunday, Herb was on the menu. If we're going to go to Haiti, we will deal with some of the most deep and deeply seated areas of the occult that you know nothing about. If you're going to go to the Amazon River Basin, you're going to pick up animism and, and, and worship that has nothing to do with the presence and power and spirit of God. But if we're going to impact them, the church in Mandarin has to be speaking the same thing, behaving the same way. Divided over gifts, divided over baptisms, and divided over personalities. I'm of Peter, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Paul, I'm of Jesus. So we come to verse 17. And I found that the most interesting thing in the world. Paul is struggling. Why? Because, ladies and gentlemen, we are God's army. We are his people. You may not be called to go, but you've been called to pray. You've been called to be generous. And you've been called to be what you've become. To be what you've become. And so he comes to the church at Corinth and said, For Christ did not send me to baptize, to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, that the cross of Christ should not be made void. For the word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness, but to, who, to but those of us who are being saved, it is the power 
of God. He says it another way in Romans 1.16. He says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Can I ask you, as you look at this, why did he run to the cross? Why did Paul take off like a shot to the cross? Because candidly, are you ready for this? Candidly, candidly, ladies and gentlemen, I have lived long enough to believe as a senior citizen. That just hurts me to say that. I have to have birthdays. I don't have to go grow old and grouchy and grumpy. Oh, I got three amens out of that. The rest of you, well, I'll tell you right now, I'll see him at lunch. <laughs> Listen to me. I have to have these birthdays. But I want to end my life the way I've lived it as long as I've lived, and that is it's not about me, it's about him. And may I remind you that when we are divided around any issue, whether it is gifts or baptism or personality, whether it is against tradition and generational and what we believe the church is about, may I remind you, go to the Word of God and there in that Word discover why are you here? Not for you, for all of them who are yet to come. And our conversations will change. Our hallway conversation will stop being about how cool our room was, who moved our cheese, who moved our chair, and whether or not we like the music. It's going to move us in the hall. Wouldn't it be wonderful that matter? You know what I really believe is going to happen here? I just have a sense as I've watched you. I watched your service last Sunday and saw these aisles filled with people and Dan, I saw how I watched you and Pastor pray over over that team. I believe you'll see the day where under the big oaks, up and down the hallways, out of the portico, people will be grouped up in threes and fours and fives. And who will it who will assault heaven that the word of God may be set free? For you see, when you go to the cross, there are three things that are immediately there you can't find anywhere else. It is a cross that releases. It is a cross that restores. And it is a cross that redeems. Now, I just want to ask you, I'll be through here another hour or so. Just, just relax. It's a cross that releases. What are you carrying around with you as a believer? You've never let it go. Something out of your past has you tied in knots. And the way you deal with it now is you become critical of others or you become an issue in your family or you're just in a state of serious spiritual depression all the time. Well, if God's moving, I don't know it. Well, that's a clear warning. What, what do you have 
that you've not released. Do you remember the Samaritan woman who came to get water at 3 in the afternoon? Why did she do that? Because the Baptist gathered at early morning water. The man, she, 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 she lived. She, she wasn't living with her husband. Oh, the guy you're living with now is not your husband. You've been hanging out with five others at least. Now, I don't know what would happen if a stranger were to tell me at a well, oh, <laughs> the guy you're living with is not your husband. He's already gone. The other five, I, that would get my attention. I, I've tried to think about her. I've tried to think about what would that be like? Knowing that maybe some of the criticism could be valid but not helpful. It could be true but not redemptive. And knowing this, she, I, I know from the text and the story, she's carrying this load of guilt. And she meets Jesus. And she is redeemed and released. What do you need? You say, oh, I was saved when I was nine years old. I didn't ask you that. I'm asking you, I've hung out with believers a long time now. What are the bags you continue to carry and the enemy parks his carcass on your shoulder and whispers and says... And so you said you were a believer. I tell you, the cross is the only place where you can release that and be set free. I talked to a lady, Peggy and I did, just a few days ago. Who said, I've been watching you. That's always a thrill. My dad was a preacher. She said, how did you do? You have two boys in ministry? Yes. How, how did you? I don't know why I did this. I said, we decided when I heard in seminary about the, 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 the glass houses and all of that and living in a fishbowl, that was just foreign language to Peggy and me because what you see here is what you get at home. Now, I didn't know there had needed to be two people to get up and go to work every day, home and public. In some ways, I wish I'd never said that, but it became cathartic. Here's what she said. My father was a pastor, and he struggled with alcoholism his entire life, died an alcoholic. What we have in this room is in many ways not who we are in the quiet place. And honestly, you've asked, how could God love me? A young lady in Virginia Beach came to me, been there just a short while. She said in a stumbled way, uh, if you, uh, when you, uh, Pastor, if you go, uh, when, uh, she just went on and on. And the most nonsensical thing I've ever heard, 
Here's what she was saying, and I don't have time to go along with that. She was saying, if you're ever going to preach on right to life, please let me know because I can't stand it. My first child was aborted, and I just can't. I can't. I said, I'll do that. Two years later, we were in a line at a reception. She came by and hugged Peggy and me both, and she said, I've been set free. I can't go back and undo what I did, but I have been released, and only the cross can do that. And you have a choice. You can keep on being critical and, and, and depressed and, and carrying this load, or we can come to a, an altar and there, under the cross, release it. It is not only a cross of release, it's a cross cross of restoration. You remember Simon Peter and his denial and his weeping bitterly. Have you ever had your mouth in gear before your brain was engaged? And have you promised God stuff you didn't do? And the enemy parked himself on your shoulder and said, so dude or do that. You're just absolutely a fraud. Can I tell you, Simon Peter did not go by the bonfire and go by the cross and do a fist bump with Jesus. He's captured. He wept bitterly. And it was the cross that restored him to that responsibility of preaching at Pentecost. Last one. The cross is fully activated at redemption. Can I tell you, I, I know that Jesus Christ is my redeemer, but you've got to listen to me. You've got to listen to me. I believe with all my heart he is my redeemer, but Jesus is more than a redeemer. He is redemption. There is no other way. Oh, you didn't get that. He is more than a redeemer, though he does redeem. He is the embodiment. At the cross, we see redemption hanging there. He is more than a sanctifier. When we see him in the cross, he is sanctification. I'm growing in God-likeness because of Jesus Christ. So when I... When I think about redemption, I think about the cross. There is no other way. There is no other name. But there is the way, and there is the name. And the greatest news of all is that he came to give you life. Aren't you glad for that? And may I remind you, part of my word to the church is to say, in repentance and brokenness, I am asking you to get honest before the Father because I believe that God in His sovereign will is choosing Mandarin to touch the nations. And it's got to be 
that we are speaking all the same thing. That only happens when we've been released, restored, and ultimately when we have been redeemed, transformed by the power of God. You say to me, man, I don't know about that, but I know there's something wrong in my life. Here's the thing that I want you to know. I'm going to go back and I close. Ephesians 2 says, without Christ in my life as Savior Lord, I am dead. Well, I have breath and life, but there is no real life in me. And Jesus says, that's why I came. I came that you may have life and that you can have it abundantly. But that has to trigger in you a response to his call. Right now, I'll guarantee you in this room, there are any number of you who know without a shadow of a doubt that you are in desperate need of a right and wonderful relationship with Christ, and you just don't know exactly how to do that. And I've got the greatest news in all the world. Our pastor's going to be here, and Dr. Dan's going to be here. Brian will be here. We're going to share with you how you can come to know him. You just know you want to be released from the prison house. Some of you just have some baggage. You just want to get on your knees and say, God, I'm putting them down, and I'm letting you cover them with your blood. I'll not pick them up from here. And when he begins to argue with me, that enemy of ours, I'll remind him on Sunday morning in Mandarin Baptist Church, I've been set free. You said, you mean you tell me you don't believe we're Christians? Oh, no. I believe there are many believers who are limited in their availability because of the baggage they carry. Release it. He wants to use you. Will you bow with me? Father, in these moments, would you touch us with your grace and bless us with your glory? And I pray you would speak to your children today. God, I just believe that this altar just may fill up with people who want to say to you, Lord, here am I. I want to be used of you for the nation's sake. I just have a reason to believe, Father, there are folks here who are going to say, Lord, I I want to receive you. I do need you in my life. Tell me how I can know this Savior. So, Father, you do this better than I do. And we bless your name because you're going to do that now for Christ's sake. Amen. Will you stand with me, please? Our pastor.